my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. Happy, let's see, is this going to go out on a Tuesday? I don't know. Happy day to you, whatever day this goes out. I hope that you're doing well and feeling loved wherever you are. So today is going to be a compilation episode because your girl has her nose down working on this no contact process book. For those of you who are joining us for the first time or you're skipping episodes or you just picked on a topic, I mentioned in last week's episode how I am writing a book about no contact. So the process that I talked about in October of last year, and then I had a follow-up episode maybe a month or so ago, I'm writing a book about it. And I am pulling, you know, the tools, the information, the steps, the process, the roadblocks, what happens, what you need to keep in mind, how to keep yourself sane, putting it all into a book. And I'm really excited about it. It is one of the inspirations that has come up now that I am feeling better. I'm being very consistent. This medicine has been working so well. I have had some really great connections with doctors and everything. And so this book is coming along, y'all, and it keeps getting longer and longer and longer. (laughs) So I'm using all my creative energy for that. But as some of you may know, especially if you've been here for a while, there has been a mini course that has been connected to the no contact process. And either you could get it by itself or it came as part of the recovery school or as part of From Addicted and Avoidant to Available, the bigger coaching programs, because it's such a core tool that you need. And so what I am doing is at the end of this month, we are going to be starting a month long support group for women who are going through the no contact process, whether or not that's with a former lover, someone that you're co-parenting with, a parent, a friend, a sibling, a coworker that you see every day, we are going to do a support group where I'm going to be outlining the process. We're gonna be using peer support to, to get through it. I'm gonna be sharing different videos and things, and you're gonna get full access to the current curriculum as is, plus all of that. And this is going to be our last hurrah (laughs) into making sure that we let go of these trauma bonded relationships. So it's going to be called the ready to let go support group. I'll most likely be posting about it today. If you are a recovery school alumni or you bought the kit on its own, you get a very like, like crazy, like crazy extreme discount to participate. I'm really excited about all of that. I would love for you to join. The way that you join is by going to blackgirlsheal.org slash no contact. And I will share more about that at the end of this episode. But for our compilation episode today, I'm going to be talking a little bit about no contact. I'm going to be talking about learning how to surrender in relationships. And I'm going to be talking about parent wounds as well, because we're also going to have a workshop at the end of the month for dealing with conflict with a mother relationship. So go ahead and stay tuned and we're going to jump on in. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. So you've heard me share about my journey with vitamin D and how a deficiency was causing havoc in my life, causing depression that was not helped by therapy, emotional support skills, and other resources that I had access to because the source was organic and coming from inside my body. And it was only by healing my body with vitamin D supplements that 
I actually saw change. And I'm not alone with me being part of the 82% of black women in America who struggle with the vitamin D deficiency due to our melanin not being able to synthesize as much vitamin D from the sun. But Black Girl Vitamins is a proud black-owned brand that develops vitamins to address the specific needs of black women like iron and vitamin D deficiency. Each purchase contributes to a scholarship fund that supports black women pursuing healthcare education. Plus, they're vegan-friendly and free from harmful additives. Try Black Girl Vitamins to see improved health in areas such as energy, fertility, and pregnancy support, balancing your blood sugar, and more. Get 10% off your first order with the code HEAL10 at blackgirlvitamins.co. That's B-L-A-C-K-G-I-R-L-V-I-T-A-M-I-N-S dot co and use promo code HEAL10 to get $10 off. Take control of your health and level up your summer with Black Girl Vitamins. It's time to make this summer your healthiest one yet. So no contact. I'm not going to say much about this because there's already a few hours worth of podcast episodes for you to listen to. In addition to me talking about no contact in multiple different places throughout the years of episodes that we have. But for those of you who don't know, the way that we use no contact here, the way that I teach you to use no contact is a healing tool. I know that some people teach no contact as part of a dating strategy. So as a way to get someone to come back to you, to pretend that you have your life all together, to be mysterious. And so you do no contact as part of this cat and mouse thing. And that's not what we do here. I know some people teach no contact as a method to be emotionally safe from people who are emotionally abusive and manipulative and hurtful and dangerous to you and to go into no contact so that you can not be in those situations and to to heal from the trauma of being in those relationships. And that is a great way to use no contact. There are many people who are in no contact from parents, of course, from abusive ex-lovers, from other types of people in their life. And I encourage that, but that is not the main method or the main intention behind when I teach no contact here. In the realm of love addiction, which is the persistent obsession of a person, a relationship, or the fantasy of that person or relationship, and mistaking your intensity around it for love, mistaking your overconnection to it for this must be it, and we just can't stay away from each other, and they keep coming back, and I keep coming back, so there must be something here, mistaking that for love versus trauma, and mistaking the trauma bond and the lack of freedom that you have around this relationship for this must be meant to be. And mistaking the intensity around your feelings for this must be a sign that this commitment is lifetime worthy, that this is my twin flame, this is my soulmate, versus this is a person that's a representation of your childhood trauma in human form. And I think sometimes I say that and people are like, yes, absolutely. And I'm so addicted and I can't leave. And sometimes people say that and they can, I can say that and people can get offended and maybe not offended, but maybe the better word is protective, protective around this person, this relationship and thinking that I, as this voice on the internet, voice in this podcast, don't understand like, yeah, there's some dysfunction But who this person is, they have a great heart. We've gone through so much. We have a history together. And part of part of what one of the things that I have learned and one of the things that I try to teach my students and teach y'all is that there is such thing as as nuance and there's such things as there being a dichotomy. There is possible for two things to be true at the same time. It is very possible for you to be connected to someone who has a great heart and tries their best and has just gone through so many things and it's hard for them and they don't really know how to love and they want to learn how to love and all that can be true. And it could also be true that this person and being connected to them is part of your emotional, mental, spiritual, sexual, financial destruction. And maybe this is a relationship that could work out, but the way that is connected right now and the way that this is impacting you right now and the way that your mental health is set up is only is only destroying you more and more. It's only taking away from you more and more. And all of the ways that you've tried to have boundaries and all the ways that you've tried to, you know, keep an eye out and be stronger and never lasts. And it doesn't work. And it doesn't work for a reason because of the tra- trauma connection. Because being connected to this person 
pushes a button inside of you that makes you regress. And for all of my perfectionists, all my type A folks, all of my people who like control and have have benefited in life by being independent and being in control and using your mind, you hear me say that and you're like, okay, great, got it. It presses a button. I regress. Okay, now I just need to be mindful of all the places and all the ways that I regress and keep an eye out mentally and I'll work through it. And that's not how this works. This is a body-based reflexive pattern that does include your thoughts and it does include your your cognitive you know, distortions and all that stuff, but it also includes reflexive actions in your body and it includes your nervous system. It includes your self-doubt. It includes your abandonment trauma. It includes your rejection trauma. It includes the fact that there's a place in your life that this person has been feeling because you don't know how to feel it for yourself. There's so many components that is the reason why this relationship is not working. And the no contact process is used as a healing tool to help you dig out the things that you have been mistaking for love, the ways that you've been overconnecting in a way to this relationship or the fantasy of it, and thinking that if you just get that right, then everything's going to be okay, not realizing that this starts from within, and helping you let go of people and places that you want to stop coming back to, or at least if you come back to, you want to come back stronger. And so that's how I teach the no contact process here. And I got it from the my experience in 12-step programs for sex and love addiction. But in that process, I found a lot of holes. I mean, it changed my life. I need to be mindful because it absolutely changed my life for the better. I would not be here talking to you in more than one way if I had not gone through that process. But it is a person-led process. You know, you're kind of doing it on your own. There are rules, but depending on what fellowship you go to, it may change a little bit. Also, I found that no contact was used like as a disciplinary technique too. If you slip up in one area, then you got to start all over. And I found women who were staying in no contact from relationships and from love for years of their life. And it just, it was again, reinforcing that trauma that tells you you're not good enough unless you act right, unless you're perfect, unless you, you earn the right to have a good partner. And that, that is not healthy. It didn't teach you how to have pleasure. It didn't teach you how and where these patterns were repeating. It was just telling you, don't talk to this person and don't do this. And there's more meat that's needed to that. So I'm writing a book for that and I'm doing the support group for a few reasons. One, I may have mentioned it in the last episode where I talked about the reasons why your no contact process isn't working. But if I had not been actively reaching out to women, calling them on the phone and telling them when I was about to reach out to an ex, talking to them about how much I miss them and letting myself be vulnerable, I would probably still be connected to my narcissist, narcissistic relationship. And the reason why I'm saying that, even though that was so long ago, is because narcissists like to keep and collect people. They don't like to let you go. And they like to get you, get into your spirit. So even if you do an off and on thing, I could still be connected to them, even if not physically connected to to them, but thinking about them, obsessing about them, comparing other people to them, getting angry when I think about how he said and did this to me. And now my whole day is ruined because I'm thinking, you know, I could have still been connected to, to him. And again, in respect to the years, maybe I would not have been connected to the same people as I was back at that time, but the same people in different bodies, you know, different, different races, different heights, different places in the world. I probably would have had a whole lot more self-love detoxes. You can't see my air quotes, but you know, moments in time when I would focus on myself and be intentionally single only to show back up and be in the same types of relationships again, because there was a There was an underlying pattern and something that I was not aware of. There were things that I, it wasn't only that I needed to be in no contact with people in relationships, but there were a lot of other ways that I had co-occurring addictive behaviors and ways that I would self-soothe and take things that were beautiful and pleasurable and awesome and use them to try to self-medicate. And then there were thoughts that came up underneath that I did not know how to deal with. And even though I was in therapy, 
it was a lot easier for me to do all these co-occurring addictive behaviors because, you know, I'm very good at presenting as high functioning. I've always been. I think most people who listen to this podcast can probably relate to you can look really great on the outside, but underneath and in the in-between times and when no one's around be really struggling. Or my method of choice was to, if I found myself to be struggling in one area, I would switch to some other way that I was self-medicating and do that. And it looks nice and great to other people on the other side. It seems like I'm just living my best life and everything is in control until it's not in control. And then, you know, it's just a whole cycle. So anyways, I'm going to be doing the support group because me reaching out to women and talking about what I was feeling and having other women who got it. So I have been blessed to always have had really amazing friendships and people who were so loving and supportive to me, but they were not love addicts. They had their own traumas. They had their own moments of rejection and abandonment. They had their own grief, but they did not do relationships like I did. And so what I found, the the sense of safety and understanding and relief I found in talking to the women in the 12-step meetings when I was in crisis versus my friend, I can't measure it. I can't, it, there's, it's not even apples and oranges. It's like a watermelon compared to the size of a pea. Like it was life-changing. And even though you can, you know, get the book on its own, and even though you can, even still now you can, you can enroll in the course and just choose not to participate in the group and go through that full curriculum and all the videos and everything on your own. It's the reaching out to other people that's going to help break this trauma bond and break the the intimacy disorder part of this and teach you how to connect to other people and be seen and allow yourself to be loved and not be in your head with all this self-criticism about why should I care that I miss them? And why do I keep wanting to go back? Or I started the no contact process. I told myself I was going to join this group and I was going to get through 30 days and I only got in two days. And here I am and I want to quit and I'm such a failure. And, you know, all the all the crap that goes through our head that makes us think we're not good enough to have a community and to exchange phone numbers and to have friends, whether or not they're in your same city or across the world, that that uplift you. That's what I want for y'all. I want y'all to feel that. And I want you to see that. I want you to know that it's possible. So we're doing the support group for that. And then also, of course, you know, with y'all getting access to all the curriculum so that I can make sure that if there are any gaps in what I teach as much as possible around this process, that I can fill it. And if there's something that comes up that I was not aware of, and maybe it needs its own book, you know, it needs its own uh, own set of focus that I can know that by having us all be together in that incubator. But right now during spring, the time of spring cleaning starting over while we're all trying to get summertime fine, I want y'all to be open hearted, to be free, to be open to connect to who you want to connect to and let go of those that you don't want to connect to so that you can live your best life. And again, no contact in all of these ways in all of those relationships. Of course, there's going to be a focus on romantic partnerships, but I look forward to talking in that group about no contact in all of these places. And let me say one more thing before I talk about surrender in relationships. When it comes to no contact, y'all, sometimes people don't want to do no contact because they think about how this is not someone who is so easy to, to let go of because maybe they were truly, were or are truly a friend to you. And you just can't imagine not ever talking to them again. And so until you, that takes it completely off the table. And I get that. And so to be clear, when we talk about no contact, the way that I teach it, I teach it again as a healing tool. So I teach it and I really push my students to do no contact for 90 days. 
90 days, that's three months, 90 days compared to a lifetime, 90 days compared to the months and the years that you have lost with this relationship or these relationships, trying to do it on your own to get a reset so that whenever you do reconnect with them, you're coming from a place of strength, of confidence and of self-ownership. And so that way, if they are the ones who are still struggling, you know, y'all both aren't taking each other down you know, and you're also able to change your mind at any time. You can go into the no contact process thinking that I want to reconnect with them and then be like, actually, you know what? I'm thinking clear. My heart is open. I know what I want and know what I deserve. And this isn't it. And the decision is yours. There's never going to be any pressure from me. And it's going to definitely be a bylaw in the group that there's no shaming or attacking if you do want to reconnect to to someone, you are in charge of your own life. And I want you all to be connected to that divine wisdom inside of you for you to know through your intuition, again, to your connection to, to spirit, God, universe, whatever words connect more to you, for you to know that the choice is yours. So for those who are thinking about relationships right now that you are over attached to again whether or not it is a current or former ex whether or not it is a frenemy uh, or a friend group that you are not that sure about if it is a parent that you feel over connected to as well or that there's a lot of dysfunction if there's people that you work with, whatever the scenario, would love to have you. We are going to talk about what it may look like in each of those places. Of course, you know, every situation is different, but I'm going to give you my best suggestions on how to navigate that because you can't pick up and move. And especially if you're co-parenting with someone, what does that look like? To be clear, when I talk about that, we are going to be talking about having no contact with people who may be dysfunctional, but if there's anything regarding domestic violence and abuse, I will be telling As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When healing from an intimacy disorder, one of the first things you have to do right after getting clear on your patterns of addictive behaviors, avoiding behaviors, and living in deprivation is clearing out the roots that caused it. Clearing out the experiences, the traumas, the narratives that have kept you stuck all of these years. In my signature coaching program, The Recovery School, you have the opportunity to reveal the sources of low self-worth, to learn about how old roles in your family have resulted in codependency, shutting down, and not letting others in. And also to learn how to talk to and connect to your inner child in a way that is soothing and healing. 
This is the next step to reframing the old stories that have plagued you for years to evolve to being a healed and loved woman and having access to the love and the relationships and self-worth that you've always wanted. Learn more and get started by going to therecoveryschool.com. Again, that is therecoveryschool.com. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. For you to be connected to those resources to support you with that, because that is outside the scope of a life coaching support group. Okay. And then of course, I'm always going to tell you all to be connected to your therapist, but if you have a therapist that you love and trust. So, so yeah, we'd love to have y'all. You can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash no contact and enroll. And when you enroll, you will get access to lifetime of lifetime access to the curriculum and then also a free copy of the book when it is released. And then also access to our ready to let go support group for the 30 days that it is. And then after this, once the support group starts, I am closing access to the course forever. So this will be your last opportunity to get access to that and all the videos and everything until until it's over. So we start on April 24th and we're going to be going through the month of May together and early registration ends on April 14th, but you can enroll all the way through until April 24th when we close doors and then we are going to let go of these trauma bonded relationships, these soul ties, these addictive relationships together. We're going to cry, we're going to laugh, we're going to celebrate, and we are going to make room in our hearts for the love that we deserve. And we're going to get clarity for the relationships with people that we truly love, but we just know something is not right and we need a reset. So we'll love for you to join us. Again, blackgirlsheal.org slash no contact. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Okay, so now (laughs) let's talk about surrender and relationships. So something that I have learned, well, first let me back up. As I already kind of alluded in this podcast episode and for sure in previous podcast episodes, I have been a master of control. The way that I have succeeded in life is to always have a plan. I've had a plan for school. I've had a plan for careers. I've had a plan for parties. I've had a plan for graduation. And also, thanks to childhood, some childhood trauma and some parentification, I am also the master of backup plans, of plan B, C, and D. I'm the master of being currently in the middle of a plan and spot checking and telling when something is about to fall through the cracks and being ready and ready and primed to step in with all the other contingency plans that I had in place. And I'm also very, very adept at attuning myself to what people need, to what they feel, to what they think, to mind reading, to anticipating their thoughts, ways that they may disappoint, the ways that they may delight, but for sure ways they may disappoint. Again, to be ready to make sure that everything that I'm wanting to happen happens. So while that is great for a corporate world, that might even be great for business. And that might even be great for family and house management in a lot of ways. The ways that that showed up in my relationships is that I have not been able to shut off the control. 
And if anything, I didn't even think that it was something to shut off. If anything, it was more, this is just who I am. I am someone who is very smart and very intelligent, someone who is emotionally aware and attuned, someone who knows what she wants, someone who who has standards. And so I needed to be in relationships with someone, with people who understood that and who respected that. And so what that means when that is how you operate all of the time to the place where you don't even realize it is that you are always on guard. A hundred percent of the time you are on guard. You are living in anticipation for something to go wrong. You are living ready and almost daring and looking for all of the gaps and the holes that can come up in communication. And also before I finish that point, you know, you also get to this place in relationships. This is a learned skill because you have been in partnerships, you have been in family relationships, you have been in friendships, you've been in many places where people with their best intentions maybe have promised to do something for you and to show up for you and they have not been able to do it. Sometimes it is intentional. Sometimes it is because they just don't, they disregard you, they don't love you, they don't care. And sometimes it's with people that you know love you, but they just didn't show up the way that you needed them to. And it was disappointing and there were consequences that happened. And so you learn to always be on guard because you can really only depend on yourself. And when you find people who are dependable, you really only depend on them maybe 20 to 30%. You may tell yourself it's 40 to 50%, but it's really closer to 20 to 30% maybe, right? Because you have all these backup plans in place. So what happens when you're not able to let go in a relationship? And that way means that it's really hard for you to trust. And when you can't trust someone, you can't let down your walls in all these other areas. You can't let down your walls for them to see you emotionally. You can't let down your walls for you to fully have fun and to trust. You can't let down your walls to let them help you and to let them be in charge, which is really fun when you're also the type of person who feels very overworked and burnt out. And you're like, I wish I just had some help. But meanwhile, you're stiff arming people who are trying to help you because you don't trust. And so one of the things that I've had to learn how to cultivate the last Several years is the art of surrender. And y'all, I'm still a baby at it. Still so much better than I was before, but I'm still learning. And surrender in all forms. So let me give you a couple of examples. So let me give you one example. One way that I could exhibit control in relationships that looks very pretty on the outside and it looks very functional But really, it has reinforced that that habit of not being able to let go and to relax and to be present is trying to anticipate, am I doing something that could make my partner upset or mad? Am I showing up in a way that is the best way that he needs to be served and the best way that he needs to be loved? Am I being the best partner I can be? And so the way that that would, the way that that would manifest is wanting to have a whole lot of talks about how do you feel and what do you need? And also having a whole lot of talks about whenever I feel like I've messed up and then coming back to him and, 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 tearing, and sharing what's going on and, you know, asking for forgiveness. And it would also look like a whole lot of reading books about being the best partner I can be. And, you know, and, and now we need to have like really consistent conversations every week about check-ins and stuff about what each other needs. And there, none of these, before I go forward, let me be clear, none of these things are bad things. These are all actually pretty, you know, healthy things. Communicating with your partner, asking for forgiveness, being intentional about learning them and what they need, you know, having set aside time for y'all to connect as a, as, as a partnership, you know, in the midst of the busyness of life, you know, being self-accountable, that is all great. But the level that I brought it to was very work-like. It was very heavy with the control. I am going to make sure that I am the best partner. So there's a lot of, oh, like, 
aggression that comes with that, right? There's a lot of effort. There's a lot of stress. And it changes from, I'm having a conversation with you based on a place of curiosity that is light, that is happy, that's joyful. That's because you you are someone that that I delight in, right? And so I just want to know you. And it's softer. And it's, and it's more about, it's more intimate and vulnerable. And it's delicate. Versus I want to know what's going on so that I can create a military action plan about how I can best love you. And it's all in my brain and I keep it straight and there's order. And as lovely as order and routine is, what happens when things are out of place? When I, I'll own it for myself, when I have operated in very regimented ways, that has equaled when it steps out of line or when something goes wrong or when you fail, then not only are you a bad partner because this is what that person told you that they needed to feel loved, danger, danger. They are mad at you. A fight can happen. If they say everything is okay, is it really okay? Because if they dropped the ball for you, it wouldn't be okay. So I can't believe you that you're really that forgiving because if it was me, there'd be some smoke in the city because there are some very black and white rules about what it means to be healthy and be open. And when you live in the black and white and when you live in trying to control, it's really hard to be happy because life and relationships are not robotic. They are not always predictable. Things happen. Miscommunications happen. Life happens. And even in the good way too, y'all, like when I would be so focused on things being perfect, it would be really hard to enjoy when things were good. When things were good and they were good, not based on something that I had done or created or cultivated or prompted or planned for, but these things were good, they completely were not on my radar because they weren't manufactured. And that's me talking now. I don't even think that it was because it was, I don't think I had the awareness that it wasn't in my control, but because I was so used to living in my fight or flight and never at a place of rest and ease, that even when things were good and abundant, my body was so used to being on 10 that I was not able just to to rest in in the balance. I was not able to just rest in the everyday flow. I was always going, going, going. If I wasn't going and and assessing our relationship and assessing what's needed and all that, then I was assessing work and I was assessing my goals and I was going out and planning my girls' days out and planning my self-care things and all that, but I was never truly at rest. And if you can hear, if you can hear in what I'm describing, there's a lot of anxiety behind that over-control. And for me, I'll own for me, what was behind that anxiety is going back to what I've already said. If I'm not good, if I'm not perfect, then this is going to go down. I'm going to get rejected. I'm going to get abandoned. This is going to be broken. And really, to be for real, for real, the truth behind that is I would be abandoned and I would be broken because I was not enough. So all of my asking, what does my partner need and what makes him feel secure and what makes him happy is, yeah, because I care about them, but it's also me having a plan of action to make sure that I'm always enough for him so that he can never get bored. He can never cheat. He can never whatever. And keeping the relationship spicy and everything and, and, and fun enough is, was also my means of trying to control because of the anxiety underneath it. And anxiety is absolutely what is underneath love addiction. So you could be, I could be in relationship with someone who was super healthy, who was super available, who loved me for who I was. And I'm still doing the same patterns that a love addict does to make herself 
to try to mold herself into being what is the least rejectable, to mold herself and to outline the relationship to make sure that it is it is breakup proof. And if there is a breakup coming down the horizon, you have all of these qualifiers that let you know when things are shooting off, like when the cylinders aren't shooting off correctly, so that you see that a breakup is coming. So in that way, you also kind of rejection proof the relationship because whatever is not under your control you have an immediate notification that something is off and you can brace yourself and you can prepare for it instead of just relaxing and the rest in the trust of of the partnership so to be clear you can only and it will only suggest for the things that i'm talking about as far as resting and relaxing and trusting to only happen with people who are available. If you're doing this with people who are showing signs of being unavailable, if you're doing this with people who are narcissists, if you're doing this with people that you're constantly having to fight with to respect you, to honor you, to show up for you, then you will be setting yourself up for disappointment and for all of those moments of, see, that's why I don't let go because as soon as you let go, people will disappoint you. And it's not people, it's the type of people that that you might pick or that we might pick when our eyes are not open to this dynamic. So I say all that, but what does it look like for me to live in surrender and in trust in that same scenario in a romantic partnership now? So now, instead of going to a partner whenever I'm feeling insecure about whether or not they like me or they love me, or if I'm feeling pretty that day, if they think I look nice that day or whatever, instead of me going to him for that reassurance, I try to give it to myself first. And I I have two thoughts before I continue with that. The first thought is I have taught the opposite. (laughs) If not here on the podcast, for sure, in programs before, I have taught that it is okay and it is okay. But I've taught that it's okay that if you're feeling insecure to go and ask your partner for that verbal affirmation. And I also have the thought of how if I were listening to this, to me suggest that a year ago, I would be very triggered and very upset. So before before you get too far, let me tell you why I'm saying that and what I mean. I'm saying that because what I realize is a lot of times I would need to have these consistent conversations with a partner, with a healthy partner, not because they were not showing up for me in the ways that I needed, but because I was projecting my insecurity onto them. And so I was needing these constant checkpoints and I was needing it said to me in a certain way. So maybe they did say I was pretty, but they didn't compliment my hair in addition to my dress. Or they were asking me to hang out, but it wasn't in the way that I wanted them to do it. And it wasn't with the plan and the action that I wanted to do it. So then I made up that that meant that they really didn't care. And I was projecting all of the ways I was projecting the fear that I was going to be abandoned and that someone was going to lose interest. I was projecting that I wasn't enough onto them. So I was constantly needing this affirmation, this reassurance from them that I was enough, but it was never going to be enough. It didn't matter how intentional, how thoughtful they were, how complimentary they were. That ache that I felt inside of me was there way before they got there. And just because I was in a relationship with someone who thought that I hung the moon I was still going to continue to operate at a deficit because that was for me to fill. So it's not that I would not ever go to a partner at all, but that I had to learn how to fill my own cup first. And it's interesting because I think an earlier version of me would interpret what I just said to meaning that I was not dependent on a partner at all that that vulnerability would completely dry up. That for me to fill my own cup, it means that I'm that I'm walled off to where I'm impervious to whether or not you care for me or love on me and appreciate me. And that's not what that means. So I'm gonna throw it back to middle school biology. And for all my scientists out there, I'm gonna say this so wrong. So please just hold on to your chair 
and forgive me. <laughs> but remember when we learned about the different types of boundaries and in cells? And so part of the instruction was if a boundary of a cell is too firm and hard, that means that nothing can get inside of it. So that means that nutrients can't get inside of it. And it means that also diseases can't get inside of it. And if a boundary is too open, that means that everything can get inside of it, the good stuff and the bad stuff. And so what you want is a cell boundary that is permeable enough to where the good stuff can get in, but all the yucky stuff stays out. So what I'm talking about, <laughs> Ooh, I, hope, I hope that this makes sense. When I'm talking about a place in my health that I had to get to, a place in my emotional health and a place in my ability to self-love and self-nurture is to not live in defense and think that when someone says you have to learn how to give that to yourself, that that means they, that they're telling you that you're too needy because that's what that meant. Anytime someone in any context used to tell me you need to learn how to give it to yourself, they were saying it in the context of criticizing me. They were saying that to say, well, the reason why this is happening is because you're asking for too much, or this is a sign of your weakness that you over-dependent on this partner and you need to learn how to give it to yourself. So that meant to me to go to the other extreme to say, well, okay, you know what? Then fine. I won't need anything from anyone anymore. So what that meant was when there were people who were ready to love on me and give to me, I did not know how to receive. I only had two options. Either I'm completely open, which means I need a whole lot of reassurance for me to receive to where like it was it was kind of crippling in a way or fuck everybody. I don't need y'all. I'm going to love myself and I'll be in a relationship with you, but I'm not going to need you too much. You know, I hope that makes sense. And so there, there is a middle ground for that. And for me, that meant that whenever I was feeling the need to pick a fight or to ask a question or to have an in-depth conversation about whatever, or to overanalyze how often a date night is coming or how often this person is saying compliments or whatever to me, that for me to release that and to look at, okay, what's happening within me? What is it that I need? What is it that I'm feeling? Where am I loving and nurturing myself? And where is the trust coming from? Is this person, am I making this person, this relationship, my only source for my safety, for my emotional safety, for my mental safety, for everything else? And so I had to learn how to surrender that, to not try to over control it, over control how a partner was showing up and what they were saying and what they were needing and to learn how to focus on me. And what I found that would happen is that most of the time it would be me needing to nurture myself. And, but in me doing that, what opened up y'all is really crazy. What opened up is two things. One, my awareness to see, wow, my partner has actually been loving me this whole time. My partner is out there picking flowers for me. <laughs> my partner is out there, you know, working really hard for me. My partner is out there, you know, communicating with me and seeing things ahead and trying to protect me from things and, you know, complimenting me all the time. And my partner, like, is crazy about me. And of course they would be crazy about me because sometimes it was hard for me to believe when they would give me these compliments and say these things because I didn't believe it about myself because I was still operating off of, well, I will be really the most beautiful I can be when this is different about my body or when this is what's true about the way that I do my makeup or when this is what my body shape looks like. So you're giving me these compliments, but you don't know how beautiful I can be. So because I was self-rejecting myself, I could not fully take in all of the goodness and the safety and commitment that my partner was giving me. I hope that makes sense. But once I started to really focus on giving myself that, I was able to receive more from my partner that was already existing. And then also, if or when I did need to go to a, my partner for something that I need for an actual gap that exists, because this isn't, again, this is not you saying, well, fine, I'm not going to need anything. Because if a partner is not showing up in the way that you need and deserve, you you are totally free to make a request. But I wasn't coming with aggression. I wasn't coming with 
you're doing this in person uh, on purpose. You're intentionally neglecting me. You're intentionally trying to hurt me. And if you actually love me, then you would show up in this way. Like I wasn't coming from a hurt place because I was coming from a place where I'd already taken care of myself. And this is this is impossible to do if you're in a relationship with someone who is actually neglecting you because you you can only gaslight yourself for so long, right? To to you get to a place where you're like, hold up. I'm with a partner who isn't actually doesn't actually care for me. So, you know, several months ago I talked about I started to introduce the concept of married single mothers or a married single women. And that episode is coming, but that concept of being in a long-term committed partnership with someone who says that they will be there, but they are emotionally neglecting you. They are not showing up for you physically. They're not showing up for you financially. You're carrying all of the load and they act like you're complaining and you're whining and you should be grateful. And you're just feeling completely run down. If you're in those type of relationships or relationships with people who are stepping out or they're not emotionally present or they're narcissists, then yeah, your alarm bells are going to go off for a reason. But it's also not hard if you're in a relationship with someone who is emotionally unavailable. It's also so hard to do it if you're in a relationship with someone who is emotionally available because the thought that I had is, if you actually care for me, I should be able to come to you with all of this stuff, right? But if the person isn't the one that caused the problem, they're not going to be the solution for it. So going back to the examples I said before, I would constantly be going to this one source for, you know, am I enough? Is this enough? Do you love me? You said I was pretty, but you didn't say I was pretty today, or you didn't say it as often as you did the week before, or you didn't, you know, plan as many dates this week as you the week before. I was so sensitive to every threat, I shouldn't say was, I am, I'm still learning. I can be, that's probably the best way to say it. I can be so sensitive to the threat of rejection because there's a part of me that still feels rejected, right? So when a partner says, you're everything I could ever want, it's like, huh, sure. (laughs) It's like, uh, we'll see. Uh, so you say, uh, okay. Um, been there before, you know, like there's a part of me that doesn't believe it. And it's not just because of past relation, relational. Well, it is, it's absolutely because of past relational trauma, but it's not just of the romantic variety. It's because of the deeper stuff that I have to heal and work through. But going back to what I'm saying is so, it can be so hard to, to want to, or to even know how to take care of yourself when you're so triggered and when you're so upset because it's like, they are the reason that I'm like this. So they need to hear this. And it feels also, it feels almost as if, if you're being cheated to have to go and work this out in your journal or in your quiet place when you should just be able to say it or dare I say, yell it <laughs> and just get it out. But when I tell you, Again, the conversations that I've had with with a partner after I have been able to work out my inner child stuff on my own first have gone so much more smoother. And they say they end up saying all the things that you wanted them to say in the first place, but now you can actually receive it even deeper. It's it's mind blowing. And of course, I'm saying this now. And then I hope that I remember this deep wisdom the next time I get triggered <laughs> and in in a relationship. But I want to encourage you. The reason why I use the word surrender is because I want to encourage you that if you're in a partnership with someone who is available and the partnership can be romantic, it could be friendship, it could be family and They are showing all of the signs of being open and loving and secure towards you. I want you to, I would encourage you to do all the self-work that you want to and that you need to. But as much as you can, try to surrender all of the practices that look, that actually come from a place of hypervigilance and control in the relationship. This person has told you that they love you. 
and they're showing it with their actions and with everything else, right? So that means that this is a place that you can rest. This is a place that you can be secure. This is a place that you don't have to be always be on guard. And if that stuff comes up, maybe start with your inner child work and learning how to love on you and support you and nurture yourself and nourish yourself before, not instead of, but before you go to that partner or to that other person to see if that's what you need. And then if you still need that, then go to them because that's what they're there for. They're there because they care about your betterment. They care about your sense of health. They care about your sense of safety. But it's not coming from this big, impossible chasm that they can't ever fix. You know, I don't know if y'all have any relationships with people where you've said something to the effect of, I don't know what else I can do to show you that I love you, that I'm not judging you that I am not going anywhere, that I am consistent, that I don't believe the same things that other people have said to you before, that I'm someone that you can relax and trust. And I don't know what else that you need from me because I've shown that. Like That's an example of how you know that that person is coming from a wounded place that has nothing to do with what you're doing or not doing. And for you, it's frustrating. You love the person. You're not going to leave per se, <laughs> but it's frustrating to to work through. And the reason why I add the per se is because all of us, all of us have a limit. And the limit is not because we hate the person, but there's a limit that we have because we have our own sense of self-respect. And we have our own limit of how long we can be dragged emotionally through the mud before we have to require that person to do their own internal work so that they can receive what we're giving them, right? And so for some of you, you may have reached that limit with someone. With someone else, you may be like, I think I might get to that limit someday if they don't work on their own insecurities and trust issues, right? And so that's that's what I'm presenting to you. That is not that the person does not want to give to you. They have so much to give to you, but you have to do your work to be able to receive it. So I hope that made sense, my loves. But yeah, so that's what I have for you. I love you all. There is, after I do the no contact book, I hope that my ADHD does not lead me towards this path. But the other book that I want to write is about how to see when your relationships are available versus unavailable, how to become where are the places that you can work on becoming available yourself? So it's going to be a whole guide on availability and relationships. So I want to finish the no contact book first before I start to write this one as well. But who knows? Who knows? Your girl, this neurodivergence does what it wants to do sometimes. So we'll see what this superpower brings out of me. But in the meantime... I would love for those of you who are ready to let go of these trauma-bonded relationships, break the pattern of love addiction. If you have tried to do the no contact process before and has been unsuccessful, would love for all of you to join us in the Ready to Let Go support group that will be starting on April 24th. Registration is open now for the early bird rates until April 14th. You will get full access to all the curriculum, the videos, the support group, and all the additional supports that I will be giving in the group as y'all share your stories, as you share what's coming up for you, and all the other stuff as well. So would love for you to join us, join me. You can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash no contact and you will get immediate access to the curriculum and then the group again will start on the 24th. So you can go ahead and get started now with letting these people go. You don't have to wait in a few weeks when the group starts and then that might actually be better because then you can tell us what's been working, what's not been working and we can support you from there. So again, blackgirlsheal.org slash no contact And I look forward to seeing you there. I know that I said I was going to talk about parent wounds as well, but 
this episode is already like an hour long. So I'm going to have to save that for another episode. But yes, we will be having a workshop on dealing with conflictual relationships with mother wounds at the end of this month. I believe it's going to be the last Thursday of April. So if you're not on our mailing list, you need to be on it because I will be sending out emails for everyone to register. And then, of course, I will be talking about it on social media. So you can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash list if you are not on our mailing list. If you haven't gotten emails in a long time and you're wondering what's up, you can go ahead and add yourself. You may have been unsubscribed. So I would love to have you back. So that's it for today's episode. I hope that you loved and enjoyed it. And as always, I will see you in the next one. Take care of yourselves. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.